This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Where and when will we experience the last straw, the one that breaks the camel's back? It's an impossible thing to guess about, but something really important to talk about. Welcome my brother from another mother, Redmond City Councilman Clifford Evelyn. So... Hey, Steve. Where, where do you want to start out with what's going on? Well, that's the big question. What is going on? You know, and now we know what's going on because it seemed like it got exposed uh, last week since we had a very interesting week in Redmond, Oregon. And it's a very frustrating week and it's a very disgusting um, week for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, we had some issues this week and you know what they were. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it would be hard to imagine that uh, there aren't a lot of listeners who don't know part of this story. But I think Ed Fitch did a wise thing in the previous city council meeting by not taking up the issue. Can you tell us why and what your opinions are about his movement? Well, first of all, Ed Fitch is an excellent mayor. He has a very, his intellect level is really high and he did the right thing. You know, instead of while everyone's riled up and upset and kind of angry, he gave us a cooling down period. He says, you know, before I go into this, I want to sit, let's sit back, let's reevaluate it. And when we come to the citizens, we're going to come prepared with statements and things like that to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it in a constructive manner because it's not about what happened. It's like what's about what's going to happen now. Where do we go from there? Yeah. Well, and most certainly, uh, I don't want you to, to tell too much about the incident that shouldn't be told, but there has been some public information let out, and Ed was the one who let it out. And I think one of the, the worst parts about this hate crime was the fact that they abused an animal to do it. Yeah, you know, this thing, you know, animal abuse is problematic to me anyway because I love animals, you know. And the fact of the matter is that someone would go to that extreme to send a message but wasn't a man enough or woman enough to come forward and just say what they, how they were feeling. Um, I think it was disgusting because of the fact, like I said, without giving up too much information with the ongoing investigation, is the fact that, um, you know, the, the, the raccoon was uh, shot. Um, he was left there to bleed out in front of Ed's office, you know, and as people know, uh, my name was attached to it, uh, not on the window of the office. And, you know, I think it's very important people to understand this relationship with raccoons and people of color and things like that, and also to understand that people, it's called, uh, it's called a link, and what people need to understand is like, if someone would go to extremes to kill an animal to make a statement, the next step is killing someone else, a human being, possibly. And that's from my law enforcement background. Yeah, I think it's hard to imagine. It truly defies my capacity, and especially because I'm white. Right. And the population of people of color have to feel incredibly threatened. Well, and I believe they are, you know, and it's kind of interesting because at the last city council meeting that we just now had, which was this week, um, we had a couple people get up and speak and, and, and talk about it, which is good. You know, we need to air that out, you know. But um, I think it's important to understand that his history repeats itself and, you know, these horrible acts of racism are occurring in our city and, and in our, our county, you know. Um, and systematic racism, which I always have said is alive and well. 
I remember when I was running for office, um, I was, we were being interviewed by KPTV or somebody, and, um, and it was during the pandemic, and I was on screen, obviously I was the only black person on screen that was running, and one of the gentlemen that was getting ready to speak, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, he said, before I get started, I just want to make sure that everyone understands that there's no such thing as systematic racism. So I'm, me and the person I am, I'm sitting back saying, well, where did that come from? No one even asked the question yet, and you're just going to open up like that, you know? So to me, what I'm saying is this. People know that there's problems. Instead of addressing the problems and trying to get, pull the city together, there's people that's trying to polarize us, and we're not going to let that happen. Well, and, you know, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but two, at least two of the uh, people who chose to do public comment, uh, one was a woman that has two daughters of color, and the trials that she's gone through, and the actual terror in her voice over the the importance of her children's lives, as well as a very young man mm -hmm. that had a, a tremendous statement. And I think it our racism is kind of on the down low here in Central Oregon, it, but it it's quite strong. <laughs> yeah, it's very covert, you know. And the thing that's so sad about that was, first of all, you had. Um, a young lady uh, who, who I, you, we know, okay, and um, she has two daughters of color, like you said, you know. I've always talked about this, you know, when people have children of color or if you are a person of color, we have to talk to our kids in a different fashion. We have to give them a, a different playbook of how to function in this United States of America, which is all of our country. You know, our ancestors helped build this, this country, and, you know, we have the right to be here just like anybody else, if not more. And the fact that we got to train our kids how to navigate through a system that has law enforcement and government that's supposed to protect us, and they're really not doing a good job at it, is, is insane. And then to hear that little kid, and he was a kid, not a young man. Right. Uh, I think he was like uh, 11 years old or maybe 8. Um, his name was Gavin. And, you know, he talked about, um, and he was trying, you know, he's being as articulate as he could about how, how he's being called the N-words in our schools at 8 years old. And so my question is, what is the school system doing about that, first of all? Who's addressing that? Is this kid holding that in? And, and the parents, you know, I know they're doing the best they can to help try to solve it, but, you know, is their pleas falling on deaf ears? Because if it is, then that's a problem. Well, and I think it, it uh, brings up the question of the kids that make these statements and the parenting, <laughs> which uh, I can't imagine that a parent would go out of their way to teach their children how to hate. Well, you know, well, you know that's a very good point, Steve. You know, I hope that's not what ha what's happening, but what people need to understand is, right, whether you want to be a role model or not, you are when you have kids. You know, they watch you all the time. You may not even notice them watching you. They watch what you do. They watch what you say. They watch how you act. And that's why we as adults should always be on our best behavior and be role models to these kids. But, you know, it's problematic when we got parents that, you know, like I, I was, my wife and I we were sitting out the other night eating dinner, and there was a, a couple with their kids, or some kids, one was their kids and was friends, and they were trying to entice the kids to have a drink. It's, it's a shame. I, I, I think that there's some feeling of some redeeming factor in outlawism, you know, breaking the rules. And we can see the damage that occurs when we break the rules. As a matter of fact, well put is uh, we don't break rules. We break ourselves against the rules. You're absolutely right. Well, you know, we're supposed to be law, a, a, a 
country of law-abiding citizens, you know, and that's gone out the window lately, you know, and I think uh, small communities like Redmond and uh, in Central Oregon and things like that, they don't see that because they've been living in this bubble for so long, it's only been them. And now that we have people that's been moving here from different places, they're rejecting that. They don't want them to move here. And the thing about it is that they don't own the towns. They just happen to be living here themselves, you know. And it really just frustrates me the way they, they, they take ownership over something and try to reject anybody else that tries to move here or come here or whatever or live here. Well, anybody who moves literally becomes a refugee to some degree. Right, and you're, you're moving from somewhere right. to get somewhere that you hope is going to be better than where you're leaving. And I was really interested in a city councilman, and I can't remember Tobias's name. To Colvin. Colvin. Tobias Colvin. And no. his comment about, I think he moved from Charlotte. Yes. And yes, why don't you... Well, Tobias moved from the South. I don't know a lot about his history, but he moved from the South. And one, based on what he said, one of his purposes of moving his family from the South to here was because of the type of racism that was still existing down there. And he wanted to get, get them in a more neutral, um, welcoming city. And he picked Redmond because he thought Redmond would be the place to be. You know, And um, obviously, uh, we run back into it again. Yeah. Well, I think it's really fortunate that uh, Tobias became a, a city councilor. Uh, so far as I can tell, he seems to be pretty fair-handed. Well, he is very fair-handed, but the fact of the matter is that when, when we vote for city councilors and we vote for mayors, you got to find people with perspective and vision and understanding and compassion. And some of these people, don't, they don't have that. You understand? They're just running for office so they could, so they could plug a hole. And obviously, there's an alternative motive of why they're trying to get in those positions, which is, I know that from my police work and just knowing how people think, coming from a big city. And, you know, you just plug holes and then, then you run rampant. You know, everyone cannot be a leader, okay? And when you get ready to choose a leader, you need to look for the qualifications of a leader. And if they don't have those qualifications, all of them, then you need to reject them. You know, and I think we see a direct result of that even in uh, the House of Representatives. There's more than a few Congress people that are complaining about the amount of work they have to do. Being a politician yeah. is a responsibility that I don't think a lot of people understand at all. Well, they don't understand the responsibility, but I can tell you what, they sure welcome those six-figure checks that they get because, <laughs> you know what, um, they're making some money up there, you know, and we, we vote them in the office to make decisions, hard decisions, you know, and um, like I said, you know, we in city council, we don't make a lot of money, you know, we get a stipend, you know, and we don't do it for the money. My colleagues and I and the mayor, we're in position because we want to see Redmond become the place that we want it to be, which is a good place open to everybody and welcoming to everyone. That's why we're doing it. Inclusive. Exactly. Inclusive. Exactly. <laughs> no Inclusive. question about it. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's a shame that uh, this incident occurred. Uh, I think we're all going to hope that eventually the perpetrators are found. Yeah, well, we know, we hope so. Uh, this is going to be a tough investigation because of the fact that, you know, you got to gather a lot of information and then you got to be able to prove it, you know. So, um, and if, if we do then that's great success, you know. And if we don't, then we need to move forward. But what we need to do is make sure that we got all, all the mechanisms in place to make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, Clifford, thanks so much for being with us today. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations.